Chapter Seven of Cats by the Way by Sarah E. Trueblood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Cats by the Way. Having made my home for a time in the city, it has been my great pleasure to spy out all the cats by the way. The side entrance and alley cats, the roof and fence cats, and others innumerable. About dusk these creatures become restless. The wild spirit of the night seizes them, they long to roam, and anyone on the lookout may see them slipping quickly and noiselessly about, or peering cautiously with wide-open eyes from dusky corners and cubbyholes. Their time has not yet come. A little later, when the streets are comparatively quiet, they will go boldly forth into the night. My street acquaintances are exceedingly interesting. As a whole, they are wise and keen-witted, foxy, but most of them, I find, love the gentle caress, the rub under the chin quite as well as other cats. There often has to be a little wooing first, some honeyed words and a pleasant smile to reassure. There is a black-and-white cat who sits in the doorway of the candy kitchen and meows continuously in a high, cracked voice so long as I even glance her way. And there is the corner grocery cat, a handsome fellow, who plays with the pigeons and sparrows. He has never been known to catch one and apparently does not expect such good fortune. He loves the fun, however, of creeping up upon them and hearing the sudden whir of their wings. He was a stray kitten originally, but is now a great favorite among the store clerks, who have supplied him with quite a handsome collar. Then there is the very homely cat, who sits just outside the iron side gate of a residence on M Street. She is of yellowish brown and black, one half her face being of the one color and the other half of the other. This gives her a very grotesque appearance, but she is always extremely friendly, and probably thinks herself the most beautiful cat on the street. There are usually in the backyard two more cats, quite similar in appearance, but I feel certain that it is always the same cat that greets me at the front. At a nearby bakery is a most beautiful angora with the softest fur I ever laid my hand upon. In the evenings of warm days he may be seen stretched at length on the doorstep. He does not object to caresses, but accepts them quite indifferently. "'What is his name?' I inquired one evening. "'Hans,' she said. "'Hansie,' we call him. Then there is a very clean little cat who disappears through a small square hole in a board fence on B Street. Such a pretty combination of white and rich dark yellow— all white but back, tail and cap over the ears. She pauses a moment and looks up at me with that affectionate blink or squint which most cats can command, then scrambles into the hole always too soon, for I love to look at her. But the lady fair is timid. One day I spied a kitten and its mother underneath a fruit stand. Picking up the kitty, I rested it on top of a pyramid of oranges that I might get a better look, but the woman at the end of the stand glowered so black upon me that I hastily returned the babe to its mother and went upon my way. The fountain cat haunted the public square in the early spring, in quest of sparrows, I suppose. The fountain was not playing then, 
and the oblong hole at the base was her favorite retreat when annoyed by troublesome children or rude dogs. There she was doubly safe, as an iron fence surrounds it. The cross-eyed cat on the avenue has won my heart because of her gentle motherly countenance, and the mud or clay-colored cat on M Street is the only one of that shade that I have ever seen. Mother Nature meant to have a yellow cat, no doubt, but ran short of yellow ochre or whatever pigment she made use of. There lurks at times an enticing spirit even in the midday air, something unseen and undefinable. It is not always temperature, neither is it sunshine or shade. Sometimes I have been on the go for hours and not been favored with a glimpse of a cat, not even the tip end of a disappearing tail. At other times they were everywhere, in the street, on doorsteps, gazing out of windows, and making themselves conspicuous in both usual and unusual places. The bulk or show-window cats are very numerous. They seek the light and sunshine, and they love to watch the goings-on of the street. But cats do not always look in place in the windows. Sometimes they are curled up on ladies' finery, and occasionally there are confections or other eatables in close contact. One day I tapped on the window at a little black imp curled up on a roll of matting. He roused from his slumbers and looked around and above me, but strange to say could not see me at all. The light, I suppose, attracted yet blinded him. I tapped again, but still he would not look at me in the eye, only a vacant glance, as if I was not but a great shadow. Perhaps Pussy was daft or dim-visioned. There is one cat who comes up before me continually, before my physical eye and my mind's eye. Tis Whiteface, the tramp cat who roams the streets in the section where I live. Such a scratched and soiled white face. It is such a sneaky, thievish, wicked countenance. I sometimes think if there are escaped criminals among cats, he must be one. Alas, that he should seem to be a follower of mine. Many times I involuntarily look behind me, and there is his ragged, dusky, gray form but a few paces behind. Or if I see a grotesque form ahead, halted with head in air or crouched in the shadow, it always proves to be his. Has the poor sinner any friends, or does he steal his living from day to day? I have heard there was a doctor lady who sometimes slipped him cold bites, but I think she has gone away. Last of all, there are the two black and white cats who sit one on each end of the little bench in the yard opposite. I have never seen them sitting close together or seeming at all affectionate with each other. Yet surely they are devoted, for one never leaves without the other. If Jack drops to the ground and walks off, Jill peeps around and soon follows after. But these two and their friends are not so interesting at night. Many a time I've been suddenly aroused from sound sleep by their heart-piercing cries, such wild, unearthly shrieks, and such mournful, misery-laden mutterings that I have lain in my bed shivering and wondering if in my heart of hearts I truly loved cats. But with the night my bitter, revengeful feelings vanish, the cold creeps disappear. The morning sun brings love once more, and as I stand at my window and look down upon the great wall with its stone cap, 
I realize what a grand place it must be for moonlight strolls and midnight concerts. I said last, but then comes up before me the museum cat, the handsome tiger puss who lives there month after month among the gruesome relics, apparently well content. We went one day to this place. We devoted hours to the interesting but depressing things therein contained. Such horrible haunting mummies, wide-eyed skulls and clattering skeletons, pictures of ferocious natives, hideous little images, and unprepossessing gods and idols. Everything dead, dead, and old, ages old. We would not have missed it for the world, but when we suddenly came upon a real live cat, curled up upon a pedestal, we involuntarily bowed down and worshipped. We put our arms about him, we buried our faces in his fur. What a dear and wonderful thing life is, after all. But Tiger was sleepy, so we left him, little dreaming what pleasure and rest he had given us. End of chapter 7